Thank you, everyone, for being here this morning on a rainy day. Thank you for getting out to worship God together, and it's an encouragement to be together. And I hope the things that we talk about this morning are an encouragement to you. I want to spend some time looking at the verse that Joseph just read for us, the simple verse, simple passage there in Psalm 119, verses 59 and 60. I like to listen to sermons while I'm working. Um, a lot of times uh, when I'm working out in our orchard in the mornings, I'll turn on a sermon and I can listen while I work. But I can't listen to sermons all the time that I'm working because there are some tasks that require me to think about what I'm doing and I can't listen to things while I'm trying to think about something else. There are some tasks that you do probably that you can do with your hands without engaging your mind very much. You probably didn't think very much about brushing your teeth this morning. You probably, in fact, were thinking about something else. Why are you doing the routine task of the morning, getting ready to go? There are some other tasks that require a little thought mixed in with your hands, like driving to services. Hopefully you were thinking a little bit while you were driving to services about what you're doing, but you can think about some other things at the same time. And then there are tasks that require your mind to be fully engaged. I want to tell you that's an endeavor that ought to be engaging our mind. Religion is not just something that we can do without thinking about it. We need to be engaging our mind. And that brings us to this passage that I want to look at this morning. Let's break this down and look at it very carefully this morning. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. The first phrase that we want to look at here in this passage is the phrase, I thought about my ways. You know, we need to do some self-reflection. The wording that is used here in the original Hebrew denotes investigation from every angle, a very thorough and detailed investigation, and we need to be devoted to that in our lives as well. We need to be evaluating our lives from every angle and every aspect very devotedly and very detailed. It is vitally important. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. All the passages that we'll look at other than the Psalm 118 this morning, we're going to be turning to, so I hope you have your Bibles handy. And I'll try and give some time for us to get there so we can look at what the Scriptures teach. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 tells us, commands us to consider ourselves, to think about our ways. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? Examine yourselves and test yourselves. We need to be doing this. And if we're not doing this, Paul says you may not even be in the faith. You may not be the person that you need to be. You may not be a Christian. Well, how do I do that? How do I test myself? How do I examine myself? Because if I were to take a poll today, if you were to go out on the streets and, and ask people, are you a good person? Are you right with God? Probably all of the folks you talk to would say, yeah. But we know they're, that they likely are not if they're not living like they should. So how do I do that? Well, I, got, I have to use the correct standard. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Pairs the Bible to a mirror. Looking in a mirror, when I look to the Bible, I can see myself as God sees me in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 23. James 1, verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. 
For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. James says the Bible's like a mirror. And when I look into the mirror, I can see myself as I am. Just like when you got up this morning and you looked in the mirror, and if you were like me, it wasn't a pretty thing that you saw looking back at you. But you see yourself as you are. When I look to God's Word, I see myself as God sees me. Not as how I envision myself to be, oh yeah, I'm a good guy, I got it all together. But no, when I look to the Word of God, I see myself as God sees me. And I can consider my ways. I can think about my ways by looking to God's Word as the standard. Are we doing this? Are we looking to God's Word on a regular basis? Are we using it as the standard to determine if we're right with God? It's going to require deliberate action on our part. We're going to have to make this self-evaluation a priority. The psalmist says that he thought about his ways, and we need to make that a priority. You know, we do it in the physical realm. Would you think about going out in the morning without looking into the mirror to see how you look, to see how bad your hair is standing up, to see how bad the clothes are wrinkled? Would you do that? No, you would do a little self-evaluation. We need to do that in the spiritual realm as well. How am I doing in my thoughts? How am I doing in my attitude towards others? How am I doing in my attitude of contentment and gratitude towards God and His blessings? How am I doing in my priorities? How am I doing in my purity? How am I living my life? What are my ways? Are my ways in alignment with God? You know, we do a lot of thinking about ways. We do a lot of thinking about other people's ways. How they're doing wrong. How they did wrong by us. How they're making mistakes in their lives. We do a lot of thinking about other people's ways. Are we making it personal? Are we thinking about our ways? And a lot of times we think about our ways with respect to other people's ways, don't we? We compare ourselves to others. and say, well, my ways must be pretty good because look how much better I am than so-and-so. Look how much better I'm doing than he or she is. My life is better than their life because how I choose to live and how they're choosing to live, I'm a lot better than they. We're like the Pharisees, aren't we? God, I thank you that I'm not like brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. But the verse says that he thought about his ways. And I need to be thinking about my ways, not with respect to everyone else. Turn to your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. The Scriptures are very clear that when we get into this relative thinking of comparing ourselves with others and just making sure that I'm better than everybody, great foolish. And making sure that everybody knows that I'm better than everyone else. And there's great foolishness in that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. 
It does no good for me to compare my ways with someone else's ways. Because if I am better than someone else, that doesn't prove that I'm right with God. Comparing yourselves by yourselves is not wise. The psalmist thought about his ways. And we need to be thinking about our ways. And that will result in conviction, won't it? When we compare ourselves with what the Scriptures teach, and we examine our lives with respect to that, that will cause conviction in areas where we need to change, and that will lead us to the next phrase, and that is conversion. The psalmist says, I thought about my ways and turned my feet. I'm sure it's happened to you like it happens to me from time to time. You've got the GPS on and you're trying to find some place that you haven't been before. And as you're driving along, you drive right past the turn the GPS told you to make. And what do you do when you do that? You've got to turn around, don't you? You've got to correct that and turn around. And when we're living our lives and we make a mistake, we've got to do the same thing, don't we? When God tells us to do something and we fail to do that, or He says don't do something and we do it, We've got to do just like we do when we're driving. We've got to turn around. We've got to turn our feet. And that's what repentance is all about, isn't it? When we see a mistake, a gap in our life, we've got to make correction to that. When we see a discrepancy between how we're living and how God says we're supposed to live, we need to turn our feet. You know, when I miss that turn when I'm driving... And the GPS is talking to me and says, turn right, and I fail to do that. I'll often turn my head and say, well, that was the road I was supposed to turn on, but it doesn't do me any good just to turn my head, does it? I still miss the turn. And it doesn't do us any good just to acknowledge how we should be living. We need to be turning our feet, making the change to align ourselves to what God wants us to be. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. We'll start reading at verse 8 in James chapter 4. Here we see this idea of turning our feet mentioned by James in James chapter 4 beginning of verse 8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning in your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Some folks here that were mentioned that needed to repent, and it included cleansing their hands and purifying their hearts. And that is us when we make mistakes in our lives. We need to be willing to turn our feet, to make the correction in our lives, to be pleasing to God. Living a life that's pleasing to God means we're going to have to repent from time to time. By the way, there should be no stigma associated with repenting. Everyone has been wrong. We need to be humble enough to admit that we've been wrong and make correction. So the psalmist thought about his ways and turned his feet to God's testimonies. We must turn to God and His guide for our lives. We must It might be a change from how we're living, but if it's not to God and His will, then that turn won't get us in the right direction. 
You know, many times people see problems in their lives. They've realized that their life is not what it should be, and they turn, but not to God's testimonies. They turn to self-help books that they can find in the bookstores. They turn to religious books that have very little reference and basis in Scripture. They turn to denominational creeds that were made by men. They turn to erroneous teachings of men. Turn your Bibles to chapter 20 of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is warning that there will be some who will be leading people astray and turning people away from God. People will be making a turn in their life, but it won't be to God and His testimonies. Instead, it will be following these erroneous teachings of men, and we've got to be on guard on that. As I'm examining my life and turning my feet to change my life, I've got to make sure that my turns are directed by God and not by men. In Acts chapter 20, begin reading to verse 28. In Acts chapter 20, begin verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Talking to elders here, verse 29. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. The disciples were going to be tempted to follow these teachings of men. And they were going to be turned, weren't they? They are going to be drawn away, but they weren't going to be drawn to God's testimonies. We've got to make sure that when we turn, we're turning to God. God's Word is the answer. Turn back in the 119th Psalm with me. Chapter uh, one, uh, The 119th Psalm, verse 9. 119th Psalm, verse 9. If I'm going to make my life what it should be, by God's my ways and I try to turn my feet, it's got to be directed by God's Word. In Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? How can I make my life right with God? How can I cleanse my way? Look what it says. By taking heed according to your word. God's word is the answer on how I can set my feet straight, how I can live like I should live. We must turn to God's testimonies. Anything else is a turn in the wrong direction. You've probably heard this before. But someone asks the way to God, and the way to God is to turn right and stay straight. And that's what we need to do as we examine our lives. We need to turn to God's testimonies. And notice the next thing that the psalmist said about his turning. And that is that he said, I made haste and did not delay. He said, when I saw what I needed to do, when I thought about my life, and I saw the need to make correction. I turned to God and His testimonies, and I didn't delay. I made haste and did not delay. And when we know what we need to do, we need to do it and not wait. There are dangers with waiting. Da- waiting and procrastinating is a very comfortable thing to do. But when it comes to getting our life right with God... There are all kinds of dangers associated with that. 
Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us about some, a danger associated with delaying when we know what we need to do. Ephesians chapter 4, 17. Ephesians 4 verse 17 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Notice what it says about them. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. They were past feeling. And that can happen to you and to me. When I see what God wants me to do as I look to His testimonies, and I see the gap between what God's standard is and how I'm living my life, and I say, you know what? There's a problem there. I need to fix that. The longer I wait to fix that, the harder my heart can get to such a point that I'm past feeling. And I can live like these Gentiles who are doing all these bad things, and you know what? They slept really good at night. It didn't bother them. And that could happen to me, and that's scary. When I see that I need to do something, I need to do it because I can get my heart hardened, my conscience hardened. That's a danger. I'll tell you, there's another danger as well. Turning your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, we'll see another danger. This is the parable of the sower being explained by Jesus in Mark chapter 4. And in verse 15 is that if I will delay when I see what I need to do, and I just let that seed set there on top of the ground without coming into my life and making a change, the devil's going to be very active at trying to take that seed away. In Mark chapter 4, verse 15. Mark 4, verse 15. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. That wayside ground was packed down. It's like that ground in my yard where everybody walks out to the chicken pen or out to the mailbox where it gets pounded down and grass won't grow there. Why? Because the seed can't get in the ground. And the word of God was sown on the wayside ground. It didn't penetrate into the heart's of the people who heard it. It's sitting right there on the surface and the devil will come and take it away. Just like those birds will come and take your grass seed away when you plant it. You don't cover it up. The word was taken away by the devil. And if I see that discrepancy in my life and I realize there's a change that I need to make, the devil's going to try and come take that seed away by planting doubts in my mind. I know that's what I need to do, but I'm just going to let it sit there on the surface. He's going to start doubts. He's going to start discrediting what the Scriptures teach. He's going to start whispering in my ears, well, maybe that's not really what the verse means. Or maybe, that, maybe God doesn't really care if you do that or you don't do that. He'll start putting in these doubts. Or maybe He'll just try a distraction by trying to divert my attention away from that. I see it so clearly here, but if he can get me to look over here and not pay attention to that, then he's got me where he wants me. If I procrastinate and I delay, the devil will try his best to take away the word. And finally, a danger that I see in procrastinating and delaying is that I may 
put it off and put it off and never get the opportunity to act. I might die. The day of judgment might come. And I never have the opportunity to act on the word that I know I need to be doing. Any one of these three dangers to procrastination might have happened to Felix in Acts chapter 24, verse 25. In Acts chapter 24, verse 25, Felix put off doing what he did. Acts chapter 24, verse 25. Now as he, that's Paul, reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Felix didn't have the attitude of the psalmist, did he? Felix didn't have the attitude that you and I need. When we think about our ways and we see a change that needs to be made, we need to turn our feet to God's testimonies with haste and without delay. And finally this morning, as the psalmist tried to live like God wanted him to live, he says he made haste and did not delay to keep God's commandments. God's word again is the standard, and we have to be determined to keep it, and not the commandments of men. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9. In Matthew chapter 15, beginning of verse 7, we have the familiar passage that warns us about the dangers of following the commandments of men instead of the commandments, commandments of God. In Matthew um, Matthew chapter 15, beginning of verse 7. Matthew 15, beginning of verse 7 says, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. The commandments of men won't cut it. They might sound good. They might be what the masses want, but they're not going to cut it. We've got to make sure that we're keeping God's commandments. But there's a common idea by many in the world today, and I'm afraid by many Christians, and that is that God's commandments are just a burden. That if we find out a commandment from God, it's just going to make our life miserable and hard, and we'd be better off if we didn't know God's commandments. And so we just want to talk about things that make us feel good. We won't, don't want to really read and see the things that God wants us to do, the changes that God wants us to make. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 tells us that this is exactly the opposite of what God's commandments are. In 1 John chapter 5, beginning of verse 3. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not a blessing to our lives. God's commandments in our lives are not burdensome. In fact, they're a blessing to our lives. Why? Because they come from a loving God. God's commandments are from a loving God. They're from a God who created us, who knows all about us, who knows what's best for us. They come from a God who is all-knowing. They come from a God who wants what is best for us. These were not given by some type of malicious being who wants to mess up people's lives. And so he gave them a book of instructions on how to live because he knew it would make their lives a train wreck. That's not the God that we serve, is it? We serve a God who loves us, 
who knows us, who wants what's best for us, and His commandments are for our good. Turn your Bibles to the 19th Psalm. Psalm 19, verse 7 beginning. We sing this psalm, or a version thereof sometimes. Psalm 19, beginning of verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. God's commandments are not burdensome. God's commandments are a blessing. The psalmist says, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. Are we committed to this? Are we committed to following the psalmist example in our lives? Do you consider your ways against the standard of God's word? And do you turn quickly to align with that standard when you're in error? Let's all be committed to this in our lives so that we can be pleasing to God. What about you this morning? Are there some things that you've been delaying on? Some things that you know need to be changed, but you haven't made haste? You haven't acted without delay? If you're delaying this morning, we would encourage you to make those changes so that you can enjoy the blessings of serving God and following His commandments. If there's anything we can do to help you, we let us know while we stand and sing.